Welcome to the Appalachian Spooky Hour Podcast. Those may include depictions of violence, gore, and other horrors meant for adults. Listener discretion is advised. Hey y'all, and welcome to the Appalachian Spooky Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Arthurs, and I'm excited to be back again with another tale for all of you. Today's story will likely be one that a number of you are familiar with, but that's okay, because I'm going to sprinkle in some stories you wouldn't have heard. So sit back, relax, let's talk about what is often called America's greatest ghost story, the Bell Witch Haunting. The story begins, I suppose, with the birth of the family patriarch, John Bell, in 1750. He was a native of North Carolina and would go on to marry Lucy Williams in 1782. Together, they bought a farm in Edgecombe County and began to gain wealth and influence in spades. Together, the pair then had eight children. Jesse, John Jr., Drury, Benjamin, Esther, Zadok, Elizabeth, Richard, and Joel. Eventually, the family moved from North Carolina and bought a thousand-acre farm in Tennessee on the Red River and settled there. By that point, some of the children were out of the home. Some of the children, you know, were with the parents and moved with them. So this was not an empty nester home. You know, they moved as a family. There's no known record of the origins of the Bell Witch and how it all began is shrouded in mystery. There are accounts that the spirit itself told of its origins, announcing itself with the following. I am a spirit. I was once very happy, but I have been disturbed and made unhappy. I am the spirit of a person who was buried in the woods nearby, and the grave was disturbed, my bones disinterred and scattered, and one of my teeth was lost under this house. I'm here looking for that tooth. There's no verification of this per se, but history does tell us that there were a number of Native American burial mounds in the area and a few that were reportedly on the Bell Farm itself. Is that where this restless spirit came from? Well, we can't be sure, but supposedly in a secondary event, the witch declared itself to be a spirit from everywhere. Heaven, hell, the earth. I'm in the air, the houses, any place at any time. I have been created millions of years. The first disturbance involving the Bell family is an incident that reportedly involved John Bell himself. He spied a strange, dog-like creature on the property. And as he fired a shot at the creature, it disappeared into thin air. His children, Drury and Betsy, also saw strange creatures in and around the property. There were also strange sounds reported in the home whenever these creatures were spotted, including mysterious knocks on the door and windows, the sounds of wings flapping against the ceiling as though there was a bird present when there clearly wasn't, and the sounds of rats or mice gnawing on the bedpost when the family, you know, declared their home to be rodent-free. There were also supposedly sounds of choking or strangling 
along with chains being dragged and heavy objects being turned over when they weren't. As time went on, the spirit became more and more active, and the haunting turned physical. The witch would reportedly hit, pinch, and pull the hair of Joel, Richard, and most especially young Betsy. There were also reports that the spirit could travel away from the home to, you know, rather far away distances, including a much talked about occasion when the spirit recited the sermon of Reverend James Gunn at the Bethel Methodist Church and then the sermon of Sug Fort. These sermons were delivered at the very same time, 12 miles apart from each other in two entirely different church houses. Others outside of the Bell family had encounters with the witch, including the family's slaves, which it harbored a particular animosity for, for no known apparent reason. The witch was accused of tormenting them relentlessly, beating them and refusing to allow them into the house. One slave by the name of Dean claimed he encountered the witch several times and that it would often appear to him as a black dog or a wolf sometimes with two heads, sometimes with no head at all. Neighbors, friends, and visitors to the home also had run-ins with the witch. In one instance, the witch had three dogs attack a group of traveling shakers who vowed to never come near the home again. In another instance, the husband of Esther Bell, Bennett Porter, fired a shot at a log that the witch had conjured upon by striking the bark and cutting into it. But the conjuration vanished after he fired this apparent shot. The tree remained, but now featured a bullet hole from Bennett's gun. After hearing of the witch, a man by the name of Dr. Mize, a noted conjurer from Simpson, Kentucky, came to exorcise the witch, but was mocked by the spirit so relentlessly that he was subsequently frightened away. While the witch particularly delighted in torturing Betsy Bell, it seemed particularly interested in causing the death of John Bell Sr. The witch referred to him as Old Jack Bell and took great pleasure in impacting his mental well-being. Eventually, John took to his bed and was cared for by his son, John Bell Jr. In December of 1820, John Jr. fetched medicine from the cupboard to give his bedridden father, who couldn't get up at all that day. He had taken to bed. He could no longer be mobile. Where there should have been three vials of medicine, John found only one filled with a dark, smoky liquid. No one knew where the liquid came from, but the witch made itself known by taunting John and saying, it's useless for you to try to revive old Jack. I have got him this time. He will never get up from that bed again. <laughs> she claimed that from that vial, she gave old Jack a big dose of it last night while he was asleep, which fixed him. John Jr. threw the vial of liquid into the fire where it erupted into a burst of blue flame but it was too late john bell senior passed away in his bed presumably poisoned by the witch 
At his funeral, the witch interrupted the service, singing lewd, raucous drinking songs and just causing general chaos. They were not going to let old Jack Bell rest in peace. Even President Andrew Jackson, who at the time was not yet serving as the leader of the United States, took a great interest in the Bell Haunting and Farm. He also owned property on the Red River, and after hearing the stories, decided to visit the Bell Farm for himself. Reportedly, the witch stopped one of Jackson's wagons, despite the wheels being in good order, the horses being fine, and the men trying to push it from behind. Jackson's claim to have said, By the eternal boys, this is the witch. The witch replied, All right, General, let the wagon move on. I will see you again tonight. The wagon then began moving again of its own accord. That night, the traveling party had yet another encounter with the witch. And despite Jackson wishing to stay, the others in the party were too afraid and pushed to return to Nashville, which they did. On John Bell's property sits a cave, though it really has little to do with the legendary haunting. It has become a popular place for visitors who want to experience the haunting for themselves. It remains mostly untouched by time and seems to still be the way that it was in 1817 when the Bell family lived on the farm. Visitors to the cave have reported paranormal activity there, including difficulty with taking photographs of the site. The Bell House itself was torn down, and there have been no events reported like those that plagued the Bells in the 1800s. Appalachia is rich with stories of witches, including tales from my own family in the area in which we've lived and thrived for over a hundred years. These conjurers are not witches, as people come to think of them today. Today, the art of witchcraft is more of a religious movement. It's more about becoming one with the earth and doing no harm to people. These witches we speak of here and now were something else altogether. My great-grandmother once insulted an older woman who is rumored to be a witch. That night, while home alone, my grandmother was visited by something paranormal that she had no rational explanation for. She was sitting in her armchair, drifting off to sleep, when something began to pound on the walls of the house from the outside. It moved around and around the house, beating relentlessly, and there was a howling wind, and it was just as though there were hundreds of fists striking the wood. It was so severe that pictures and trinkets fell from the walls. Eventually, it came to a sudden halt, but she was forever convinced that she had been visited by the witch that night. And this was her comeuppance for daring to insult her. There were also supposedly two sisters in the area who also practiced witchcraft and performed ritual sacrifices. That story seems, well, it's only spoken history, passed down from generation to generation. In an overgrown pasture, there stands a large rock. It's totally flat, 
where they were said to have performed their rituals. I could find no written record of these events, unfortunately, so all we have to go on is speculations and tales passed down and warped through many generations. Was the Bell Witch truly a witch, or just a malevolent, non-human entity? It's really up for interpretation, at least to me. Some of the stories mere speculation, taken from famous writings about the haunting, and we certainly can't ask the bells themselves about what truly happened. All I know for certain is that something was there with them on that farm, either targeting them randomly or because they built their home on sacred ancestral lands used for ritualistic burials by native peoples. Do you believe in the Bell Witch haunting? I'm personally never quite sure what I think, but here's what I know for certain. These aren't the only tales of such things taking place in the mountains and hollers of Appalachia. Even today, there are granny witches who live among us, women who are able to heal illnesses with poultices, salves, and teas. It's a tradition that grew from our Scots-Irish heritage here in the area, and we still cling to that. Magic is still alive in many forms here in our small rural communities. I myself was cured of the thrush as an infant when a woman who'd never seen the face of her father blew in my mouth. Even my grandfather could do things that are today considered strange and unusual, such as charming off warts. He could put a rusty nail in his pocket and then take it out hours later and it would be shiny and new looking. Is it really magic? Or is it just coincidence? Again, that's up for interpretation by you, dear listener. But I know what I believe. I've seen too many things and heard too many stories to believe that these things never really happened. Or at least that there's some version of the truth to it, even if we'll never truly know which part is fact and which part is fiction. I believe in the Bell Witch, and I believe that the Bell family was tormented by something otherworldly. I also believe that, perhaps, mysticism and magic is alive in these hills for those who seek it out. What do you believe? Thank you for tuning in, and I hope to see you in the future for episode three. I hope that you enjoyed this story. And I hope that you'll like and follow this podcast on Spotify or anywhere else that you listen. Um, Google, Apple, we're, you know, available mostly everywhere. So tune in next time, guys, and uh, we'll have another story for you.